Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com NFL Strategy Show. It's the Showdown Edition. You're going to be seeing a lot of Matt Gajewski and myself, Dave Lochran, today. we got a ton to cover on the AwesomeO uh, YouTube channel. But first, we start off the day with a little Showdown Strategy action between New Orleans Saints and the L.A. Chargers. Matt, glad to be doing this with you again, man. we got a lot to get into. Dude, I love these showdown slates so much. Anytime we can start really digging into the weeds, playing some of these guys we know from the small school colleges, these dart throws, I just love it, man. Yeah, I mean, look, that's certainly in your wheelhouse, right? Let me ask you something. A couple things before we jump into it. One, happy to have everyone with us. You already knew that. If you're just jumping in, hit that thumbs up. It helps us greatly. Subscribe and hit that notification bell as well. If you don't like it here, we'll gladly refund your misery. All you have to do is hit unsubscribe at a later date and you will be satisfied. Uh, but I don't think you'll want to. A couple things. One, screw the Chiefs, man. I- <laughs> All right, just... And, and, and even from you, from a DFS and the betting perspective, screw the Chiefs. But number two, what do you think of this battle between Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool yesterday? One of the craziest things I've seen in professional football uh, in my experience watching it. Yeah, Chase Claypool, he's actually been trending in an upward direction since really his first game. He's slowly seeing more routes, seeing more targets. And then he just has the monster game this past week Falcon kind of came out of nowhere he's a I believe a sixth round draft pick out of Old Dominion bounced around some teams he was with Detroit for a while and I mean he ended up in the right spot just no receivers ahead of him and he sees the immense opportunity I'm curious if he'll be able to parlay that into more volume later in the season because it was quite the performance yeah he looked really good and he got a lot of separation it was a pretty crazy slate uh Josh Ingleman Adam Sher, and myself are going to break it down right after this show at 11 Eastern time, our little Monday morning quarterback with some some tips and, and some strategy and some insight looking forward to week six. That'll be coming up after this one. But now it's time to talk a little bit of showdown action. We got the Chargers on the road, um, hosted by the New Orleans Saints. And the biggest piece of news here, Matt, before we get into the actual plays, is Michael Thomas yesterday afternoon was ruled out of this game not from this nagging or lingering ankle injury that had held him out for the previous three weeks, but for a disciplinary issue after getting in an altercation 
allegedly with a teammate during practice, I think it was. So what in the world is this? Like, who knows? Maybe he wouldn't have been able to play anyway with that ankle. But this is a huge development for a team that could use him this week at a 2-2 two and two record. And they're going on a bye next week. So his next availability to play isn't even until week seven. Yeah, I heard he punched my guy, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Not happy about that. But I really wonder how much the injury played a role into this. I, I, you know, I assume that had this been a competitive game where Thomas being closer to injury, maybe they would have chosen some other sort of discipline, maybe a fine or something. All speculation at this point, but big news, we won't have him. And it sets up Camara for probably another eight to 10 targets. Any other, uh, any other injury spots that we need to be talking about, Mike Williams or, or anybody else to stay, uh, pay close attention to leading up to lock? Yeah, Mike Williams is questionable. He'll be a big one. I think you could look to Jalen Guyton as maybe a replacement for Mike Williams. Jalen Guyton hasn't necessarily seen the opportunity, but he's on the field a lot. There's a couple ancillary players. Deontay Harris is out for New Orleans. He had been their wide receiver three. Without Thomas, they're running a lot of weird personnel packages. Of course, they get Taysom Hill on the field anywhere between a quarter and 50% of the snaps. They're also running a lot of two tight end sets, and they're not using that to pass with guys like Josh Hill are coming in just as essentially extra blockers and it's helped their offensive line a lot on defense. I think Janoris Jenkins for the saints being out is a big one. He's their number two corner. We also have Marshawn Lattimore questionable. I think he'll play, but not sure on the chargers offensive line. I wouldn't excuse the injuries of Brian Belog and try Turner. Those will be huge for a saints team that actually gets after the passer fairly well. So a lot of injuries actually. Yeah. And it's interesting really with the uh, new Orleans saints in, in weeks Two and three, only three different receivers ran any routes at all. Uh, in weeks four, as you mentioned, Deontay Harris got involved, ran eight routes in that game, but really, and, and Marquez, Marquez Calloway with four, but it was, or sorry, Marquez Calloway got involved in week four. It was really dominated by Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders, and that's what we've seen since Michael Thomas went out. And it appears that uh, Manny Sanders is finally beginning to kind of find his footing in New Orleans. Those first couple of games were underwhelming. Traquan Smith seemed far more involved in Sanders, which is really more so an indictment on Sanders than anything else, given the fact that Traquan Smith had been an afterthought in this offense for quite some time now. Many of us looking for him to break out, but it never happened. So let's kick it off with the home team, New Orleans Saints, uh, Drew Brees, and, and the pass catchers. Then, of course, we'll talk about Alvin Kamara although there's much less to talk about than you'd probably initially think. So Breeze is one of those fascinating characters in that he has one of the lowest A dots in the league, but he also has, and this is a rotowire stat, which I always find interesting. He also has one of the, uh, the lowest bad pass percentages, and that shouldn't be a surprise, right? He doesn't throw a lot of inaccurate passes at all, but he doesn't throw deep downfield, and that has been a criticism of him. He, I don't even know how much of a difference Michael Thomas would make given that he's not a big deep threat, but I think more so the fact that they've played from behind two times this season, and that's usually not a common occurrence for this Saints team that is used to playing with a lead, or at least they have been over the past few years, which makes it a little bit different to analyze from a DFS standpoint. Yeah, Drew Brees certainly not attacking downfield, and I think that hurts a guy like Traquan Smith. He's running in the four four threes, his 40-yard dash, that is. And he was really drafted to play that role. He kind of filled the shoes of, of Ted Ginn when he used to be with this offense. And like Ted Ginn, you'd pop off for a big game once in a while, but he's certainly not that consistent option. And Emmanuel Sanders is running more of the underneath routes that you mentioned, which I think makes him a stronger play, at least a safer play 
Breeze is always in consideration just because of the weapons he has, but at that price tag, I don't know. I'm, pr- I'm probably not going to get a lot of him in captain. Are you? It doesn't feel like it, man. I, I tell you, Traquan Smith, I was a little bit surprised to see that price point. I mean, if you're talking skill players, uh, he's right up there with, with a lot of other strong options. Now, Emmanuel Sanders, you have to think that at his salary, $8,400, if you want to run him into captain spot, you have to assume that his ownership, which is a massive, a wildly important factor with, with slates like these, with these single games, it means so much. You have to think that his ownership should be relatively high. Now, we got ownership projections. Thank you to Alex Baker for running them early in the morning for us. Emmanuel Sanders is getting 31% ownership right now, 5% at the captain spot. Traquan Smith, 31% ownership and 3.4% at the captain spot. So there's really not a big disparity between either of those, whether it be overall ownership and captain spot ownership. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how this goes throughout the day. But if the ownerships are the same, I think I would just go with the better player here. And that projects to be Emmanuel Sanders was more targets on the year, 17.3% target share compared to Traquan Smith's 14. In their most recent game, Smith was out-targeted by Sanders 9-4. to So I, I think that's the lean at this point. I think the skill set just fits better with Breeze, like we mentioned, too. Yeah, I think so. Um, Manny Sanders led the team by a wide margin in target share last time out, which was encouraging because those first two games, as I mentioned, those first two games without Michael Thomas – he was, he was, you know, an afterthought in this offense. And I think led a lot of people down in that show got showdown slate against the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders, where he was, you know, basically invisible, but you've got Traquan, you've got Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, and, and then it kind of really thins out. Like you're talking no Deontay Harris. Are, are, are we going to have to have a conversation about Marquez Callaway um, or Marquez Callaway, is, is that somebody that, that that needs to be discussed based on just the lack of options that they have at the position? Although, as you mentioned, a lot of 12-person, a lot of two tight end sets are really going to, to, to minimize how often he's involved, or so I would think. Yeah, so we already like to think about our showdown lineups, you know, if a certain game script plays out. So I think if New Orleans is winning this game, we will still see a lot of 12 personnel. And that means a lot of Josh Hill, a lot of Adam Troutman. And both those guys are blocking more often than not. So I think we can run a really narrow player pool if that is the outcome we are expecting. Conversely, on the other side, if you want to play devil's advocate and you think the Chargers get up in this game, and maybe you're playing, I don't know, Joshua Kelly as your captain, I think running someone like Marquez Callaway is a lot more viable when they're going to be passing the ball in 11 personnel. You mentioned it last week, Callaway only ran four routes. He played on 15 snaps, but again, that just speaks to how much New Orleans was running. He was actually just run blocking on a majority of his snaps. If they're down or in a competitive game script, that should certainly rise. And Callaway, I think, should be the wide receiver three over a guy like Benny Fowler. He played more snaps overall. It's it's hard to gather. Neither of their routes were particularly high because of the game script, but that would be my lean as far as the wide receiver three. I think it'd be Callaway. Okay. It's... um. It's been a really strange season, Matt, in that you look at some of these games and you're really quite surprised to see the direction they've taken. Uh, you look at Seattle yesterday, down 13 nothing at halftime. Not only were they down 13 nothing, this team did not complete a third down. They did not convert a third down until two minutes, I think, left in the third quarter. They were out. They, the, 
the Vikings ran 45 plays in the first half or 43 plays in the first half to the Seahawks 18 and Russell Wilson had attempted seven passes. It was crazy, but they fell down uh, two scores. Uh, the Cowboys went down 13 to three or, or 17 to three. The, the Chiefs were down by 16 points at one time. All of them were massive money line favorites. My frustration about that, I'll, 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 I'll um, express that at some other time, but it's not unthinkable to say, hey, maybe the Chargers do take a lead in this game. And I'm not saying that's what happens. You know, in New Orleans, in the Dome, I, I think, generally speaking, you would really expect Drew Brees and company to get out to a lead here, or at least not trail by any significant margin. But it's just been it's been extremely difficult to predict. And yesterday alone, even if you just isolated week five Sunday games, had a, a ton of examples of that. There's a lot of good reason to to take a contrarian approach as well. You said maybe this isn't the most likely outcome that the Chargers come out and play from a lead to begin the game, but that's also the side that projects for less ownership in this spot. So if you yeah. do take that that sort of approach, you're taking the contrarian approach, all right, I think the Chargers are going to win this game. They're going to be up early. Maybe I, I captain a guy like Joshua Kelly and I run Marquez Callaway on a run back with Breeze. The ownership is already going to be in your favor. You'll have more leverage because of that. And the Chargers are a good team. They play the Chiefs into overtime, lost by one score in every one of their losses this year. Like those are coin flip games right there. This Chargers team, the win loss record doesn't show up, but it's a good team. And I'm not sure they should be seven point dogs. They shouldn't be. We've seen them come out against very good teams. Sure. Uh, last time out, the, the, if you took Tampa at, I think, what was it seven points uh, or minus seven? I think they, they pushed on that. Let me, let me just make sure. Yeah, they, yeah, pushed, they did. But that game was competitive throughout. And it's a Chargers team that dropped 31 points with Justin Herbert against them. There's no doubt that, that this is a formidable team in the Chargers, both offensive and defensive. And they're, they're going to make some noise. I have no doubt about that. And we'll get to them in just a minute. But let's round out the Saints team, uh, tight ends, and then Alvin Kamara. When you, when you look at, like you said, running 12 personnel <clears throat> and – whether or not these guys are viable, you start with Jared Cook, who last week was sidelined. Uh, Adam Trotman was the guy that you know everyone wanted to run out there. They were wildly disappointed. I, I can't say anyone should be shocked by that development, uh, but he wasn't targeted a single time. Was very uh, huge lack of involvement here. And look, Drew Brees will throw who he's comfortable to, and he believed he still had enough weapons in Kamara and Smith and, and Emmanuel Sanders. So. Uh, knowing what we know, knowing that Jared Cook, at least now from what I've seen, is expected to play, um, or at least I have him in until I, I learn otherwise, what are we doing with the tight ends? I think Cook is someone you could consider. I think he's an inferior option to someone like Emmanuel Sanders. We just don't have a large sample. Jared Cook also suffered an injury about the same time as Michael Thomas. We, re we really just have one game of Cook, Sanders, and Traquan all in the field together. And Traquan was the one that actually led the team in targets that week, or at least led the pass catchers in targets. So I think Cook, his target projection is probably a little bit less than a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, and he's more expensive. The real argument for playing him is, is the ownership game, where you're going to get a little bit of a break. So you'll have some leverage if you do target Cook. So, yeah, right now you're talking Jared Cook projected ownership at 23%. Does that come up in the event that he's ruled in? I don't know. It's possible. Uh, no real captain spot involvement here. 
But it, like you said, it kind of makes sense. Would you rather go to him or Emmanuel Sanders where their ownership gap really isn't even that big right now? It's like 7%. That's not that significant on a, uh, on a showdown slate. Uh, Adam Trotman, I, I think we can all agree that, that this probably isn't the best spot to go. He's got three targets over four games, uh, 34 yards and no touchdowns. Hasn't been involved in the red zone either. I believe that ship has sailed, Matt. Actually, that ship never left the dock, and it just sunk to the bottom of the bay. He only played 19 snaps. Yeah. 19. He he wasn't even the full-time replacement for Jared Cook. And a lot of times we see this. When a player gets hurt, especially a pass catcher, it's not like running back where we have someone that's immediately going to step up and carry the ball. With New Orleans, they immediately went to Josh Hill as the replacement, but Josh Hill's not a receiver. And they used him to block and they ran more and they ran more, you know, different personnel sets and they used more Latavius Murray. So it's not like Trotman is going to be the Jared Cook of this offense if Jared Cook is out. No, I don't anticipate that'll be the case either. Uh, it's a position that really, for the Saints at least, I'm not really excited about. Uh, and as you already mentioned, that Jared Cook price tag is getting up there a little bit. If it turns out that he's just really low on and we, we make adjustment, ownership uh, projections are adjusted, then I'm okay with that because he is someone like, okay, here's, here's one way to look at it. Could Jared Cook come out of this game with two touchdowns? Yeah, he could. We've seen it happen before. Uh, is he a viable big bodied threat uh, inside, you know, in goal to go situations? He is. And, and if that's the case, I'm absolutely willing to at least give him a look. There's going to be some rough games, but he's also been targeted deep downfield, not a ton, but enough to where the ceiling is there on a guy like Jared Cook on a single-game showdown slate that it makes sense to me. So we'll see what his availability looks like. Again, I have him in, and uh, we'll see what that ownership appears to be. Right now, he's pretty much in the middle of the pack among guys getting relevant ownership. I guess you could say he's towards the bottom, though, Matt, because once you get towards someone like Jalen Guyton that falls off a cliff, and then you're talking like 8% ownership with – Chargers and Tyron Johnson and Taysom Hill and those type of guys. So Jared Cook at 23%, all things considered, actually is pretty low ownership for for a single game slate. So I guess there's that one advantage. Yeah, and he is far and away more viable than guys like Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson and whoever else is down there. He is way more viable than those guys. What are your thoughts? And again, I don't think we have a ton to discuss here, but with Alvin Kamara and more so related to the, to the lineup build here, say if you throw Kamara into the captain spot, if you don't, because everybody knows that Kamara should be in lineups. There's no question about it, but let's break it down from a a little bit more complex standpoint. Are you willing to get away from him in some lineups? Are you willing to only run him in the utility spot? Is there any correlation with other players here that you think can make your lineup stand out? I think there's a few things you can do. I do not fade Alvin Kamara. Certainly under no circumstance fade him. <laughs> I, I think you can run him in the captain slot too. There's plenty of ways to get different. One of them in particular we just mentioned is, you know, play a guy like Jared Cook. Or if you play Alvin Kamara, maybe you have to take some shot on some shots on some of these guys like Jalen Guyton or, or Tyron Johnson to get yourself a little bit unique because he is cost prohibitive too. You're not going to be able to play a bunch of the other studs if you have Kamara in your captain slot. I think I'm more likely to take the approach where I play him in utility kind of take some of that salary relief. And the correlation with Kamara is interesting. He's not like a normal running back where you get some of that negative correlation with the QB. He's also their wide receiver one. 
So you can play him with Breeze if you want. That's going to eat up a ton of your salary. You will have to punt something, but I think it's viable. Yeah, I think it's viable too. Is there anything else for the uh, New Orleans team or for the Saints that, that you want to talk about? And should we expand a little bit on Drew Brees, how we want to um, how we want to make these lineups with potential, you know, Drew Brees pass catcher stacks or Alvin Kamara lineups, and then we'll move on to the Chargers. Yeah, I think a lot about how you want to approach this game as far as game scripts. When we've talked about this a little bit, but both of these teams are fairly run heavy. When they're down, though, they will pass. So I think picking whoever you think is going to lead in this game will be really important. If we, So this is a question for you, too. I think you could run Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray in the same lineup. If we look at their touch counts through the first four games, Kamara has 19, 22, 20, and 23. Latavius Murray is 16, 5, 13, and 16. And I think you can tell the games New Orleans had positive game script in there. Like last week, Kamara, 23 touches. Latavius Murray, 16 touches. That's just a ton, a ton of run plays. And if you think that's the game script that they follow, on the other side, you can probably assume L.A. is passing from behind. Do you think Kamara and Murray are live in the same lineup? Yeah, and I'll tell you exactly why I think so. I totally agree with you. Last week, the uh, $300,000 lineup, and I believe there were a couple of ties, but not a ton, in the Green Bay game was Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in the same lineup with Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tanyan, might I add. So, yeah, I definitely think it's viable, Matt. You have to do things differently sometimes. I remember there were a couple times last year where the same team, two running, both running backs in the same backfield were at the top of, uh, or at the top of these lineups. So uh, I don't think it's insane at all. Now, would I feel a little bit differently if Latavius Murray was kind of egregiously priced? Yeah, because then you're talking about a situation where you need both of these guys to give you a certain score uh, and it's going to be tough to to do that and then fit a good lineup around them. But the way I see it, uh, yes, there's going to be a ton of opportunity for both, especially consi- especially in the event that it's a positive game script. Um, yeah, look, Latavius Murray is going to get opportunities inside the red zone. I know that because he's vultured Alvin Kamara on several uh, opportunities this season. I think we've all seen it. But uh, yeah, look. 23 opportunities inside the 20 for Alvin Kamara this year, 11 for Latavius Murray. It's a great point you make, and I don't see any reason why we should be – put it this way, Matt. We shouldn't actively try to get away from having these two in the same lineup. And if you're building lineups on Fantasy Cruncher, you know, like in normal weeks, I always try and limit the number of running backs on the same team to one. On, on main slates, right? Or even on a three-game slate or whatever. But on something like this, especially with given this backfield, um, there's no way I would set a rule to limit them to one only in each lineup. Yeah, I think that's a smart play. And it's not like Murray's expensive, too. I think you could even get away from some Kamara in the captain's spot by playing Murray in the captain's slot. He's going to have no ownership there. And we know his touchdown expectation. It's better than most most backs that are in a, you know, a 1A, 1B timeshare situation. So I think... Not the most likely to win you a tournament, but in the event it does, really low ownership there, I think it could be some leverage. No question. Uh, And he's even, while this is not of ultimate importance, he's even been uh, targeted a couple times in some of these games. So you never know. If if you can get a couple targets for Latavius Murray as well, um, it's just icing on the cake. You want to move on to the Chargers here? Yeah, let's do it. Before we do, I just want to let you guys know that 
our $3.95 a week express package, there's no better time to tell you as we're doing this showdown slate, is available now with all showdown content included. If you haven't jumped in on that yet, express package, less than $4 a week, everything that was already in it is now um, on top of everything for showdown slates, including the player projections, the ownership projections, uh, the rankings, the top player tools, all of that. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stuff and the lineup builder at, uh, at awesomeo.com slash join if you want to check that out. The, the cool thing this week, too, is we don't have Thursday night football, but we do have Tuesday night football. So we still have a ton of showdowns and for $4 a week. What like just a couple of games is, is going to, to pay it off for you. If you're working on a budget, being able to, to take this information and parlay that into some real success for showdown slates where ownership is of supreme importance is definitely one way to do it. So uh, definitely recommend you check that out. Awesome.com slash join. And if you're looking just for, for anything else, maybe you want the full NFL package for weekly, we've got that. Um, we've got a monthly NFL package. We have an annual. Or if you want to play PGA, you want to play NFL, MLB, uh, League of Legends, uh, you name it, anything, NASCAR, any sport out there that these sites run contests for, we have premium content for. And that includes our player projections. It includes our ownership uh, it includes the top stack tools, whether it be top driver tools, top golfer tools, all of the stuff that really helps you win. It's all it's all data driven, analytics based. It's none of this group thing stuff. Uh, the real legitimate tools that have helped Alex Baker become the number one DFS player in the world. Same tools that he uses every day to achieve those levels of success. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be ranked number one. But I am saying it will teach you a different way to play DFS and it will better your game and it will give you uh, it, it will put tools at your disposal that that others simply don't have. So go to awesome.com slash join. Check it all out and be sure to hop into our premium Slack chat when you do so you can join in on the community in on the fun talking DFS betting sports all day long. All right, Matt. Uh, one up, one to go. L.A. Chargers. You said it. I said it. They've actually been a, a pretty impressive team. They fight. They've been down Mike Williams, or they were down Mike Williams last game, and Justin Herbert just continued to pepper Keenan Allen with targets. He leads the entire league in target share. This has been a, a, a serious connection that we've seen since Justin Herbert entered the lineup and supplanted Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback. I can only assume that they're going to try and do more of the same today. Keenan Allen certainly seems like his safety blanket, but the one really positive factor, too, and I'll throw this over to you, is that Keenan Allen is actually one of the highest air yards players in the league this season. I think he's top 10 in air yards, which is really fascinating for someone that usually has been a, uh, you know this intermediate route slot type of guy. He's been used all over the field, and that just makes him even more appealing pretty much every week. What are your thoughts on Keenan Allen? I love Keenan Allen, and it helps that the New Orleans corners are banged up. So yeah. Marshawn Lattimore, questionable. 
Janoris Jenkins is already out and New Orleans has had trouble with their third corner a lot this year. They're running a lot of big nickel getting Chauncey Gardner Johnson and they've really gotten eaten up with tight ends guys really on the interior, which is where Keenan Allen plays a lot of the time coming out of the slot. He has 10, 19 and 12 targets in his last three games. I also am looking at the ownership on him right now. If you want to captain him just 12 and a half percent. What do you think about this? I actually don't hate this number. I'm sorry about which number I was reading chat. The ownership on Keenan Allen in the captain at 12 and a half percent. I don't think that's egregious. I don't think it's egregious at all. You know, anytime you're so he's getting the fourth most captain ownership, but if that, you know, that might sound high at first glance, but the guy's been, the guy's been insane, immensely reliable. And he's, he's got one of the, now, I shouldn't, this shouldn't really matter that much, but he's got a massive floor. Uh, I think anytime you're, you're betting on double digit targets against the team that, as you pointed out, has banged up targets or uh, banged up corners. I'm, I'm willing to give him a look. No question. It's not that crazy of a number. Uh, And quite frankly, I I think it's probably a little bit low. Could Keenan Allen win you showdown lineups, showdown contests in the captain spot? I feel like if, if we were talking about two weeks ago, he certainly would have against Carolina. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the thing that people love about Alvin Kamara, which is why he's getting 29% projected ownership in the captain spot is that he'll get those targets and he'll get the carries. Uh, so I guess the question here is, is the salary relief worth it saving 3,900, almost $4,000 in the captain spot going from uh, Kamara to Keenan Allen? I think it could be like you mentioned, it's not just the salary. It's some of that ownership as well. And I mean, thinking about the entire construction of your roster, if you were to, you know, stack some of the charger guys, maybe you play them with Herbert and someone else. I think that overall construction will be less owned to just considering not just the individual plays, but you know, the entire roster construction as well. What are your thoughts on the rest of these pass catchers for the, uh, for the LA chargers? It gets, a, it gets a little bit confusing once you start talking about guys like Mike Williams because uh, he got some limited practice in on Friday, but I, I don't know how that's going to – I don't know how that's going to reflect upon his status today. I still haven't seen anything to suggest one way or another uh, that he's going to play. If you have, feel free to throw that out there. And then Jalen Guyton, it's, 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 it kind of gets a little bit uglier after that. Uh, similar, to the, similar to the Saints, there might be a couple of these – like tertiary options that have a big game, but it might be tough to predict who it's going to be because Guyton last week had what, like one reception for 72 yards and a touchdown or something absurd. You know, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's, uh, it's extremely weird. And I think Mike Williams would certainly be in play if we get that news. He's someone that's been heavily targeted over the last two years. I know we don't have any sort of sample size with, with Justin Herbert, it's all basically Tyrod Taylor and Phillip Rivers, but nine targets in week one, that was actually more than Keenan Allen. And like, I have the, the stats pulled up for these tertiary receivers. Listen to this last week. Like Justin Herbert is a sick, sick man. These touchdowns <laughs> couldn't go to Keenan Allen. We have Jalen Guyton, 45 snaps, 28 routes, one target, one reception, 72 yard score. Wow. Tyron Johnson, eight snaps, five routes, one target, one reception, 53 yard score. <laughs> Donald Parham, one snap, one route, one target, one reception, 19-yard score. No way. Are you you serious? I swear. All three of them were targeted once 
caught it for a touchdown and two of them were 50 plus yards. Yes. That is 100% true. That's absurd. So and I, <laughs> Keenan Allen didn't score, but he was targeted 11 times and all in eight of them for 62. That's nuts. I know. Like how sick is Justin Herbert? So God, could there be anything more? Could there be anything scarier than knowing you have a quarterback like that on a showdown slate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that might target somebody once and they score a 58 yard touchdown and that's it, but that's all they need at $600 or whatever it is. So how do we approach something like that? How do we attack something like that? If you're say maybe not 150 maxing, but you're playing three or five lineups. I'm still going to try to like hope for some positive regression here for the guys that are on the field more often, like Hunter Henry. You would certainly think so. Yeah. Like like Hunter Henry. I mean, he is a near 20% target share. And if we want to talk just strict matchup here with the saints, they've allowed a touchdown or a hundred yards to a tight end every single week this year. Again, their big slot, their big nickel package they're trying to run out there has been decimated by receivers over the middle of the field, including tight ends. And Hunter Henry's the guy that'll run out of the slot a lot. Don't like the three targets last week, but prior to that, at least seven in all three of his first games. Yeah, I, I have no issues with Hunter Henry. I wish he was a little bit less expensive because while he's been solid, he hasn't flashed that ceiling. Now, let me say, touchdowns are unpredictable and they're volatile. So I, that's actually not something you you worry about once you get past just scratching the surface, right? Because he's had, what, 12, 14, 10 DraftKings points last week, as you pointed out, not great, only 59 but you haul in a touchdown in any of those previous games and you're feeling pretty good about the results, right? A touchdown against Kansas city. And now it's a 20 draft King point game and everything looks a whole lot different. Uh, if you're getting targeted seven plus times uh, and really you're the second best pass catcher in this offense with Austin Eckler sideline, I'm on board with that too. Right now you've got Hunter Henry looking at our awesome ownership projections at 37% ownership, 6.3% captain spot ownership. So fifth highest in captain spot and also fifth highest in overall ownership. That seems like a pretty reasonable number, Matt, given, you know, the context of the slate. Yeah. If you want to compare it to Keenan Allen, who's fourth in captain ownership, Hunter Henry's ownership is half of that. So it's still a pretty big break, even though he's fifth compared to Keenan Allen at fourth, it's half the ownership. So I think he's, you know, He's kind of touchdown dependent. He's not going to see the same volume as a guy like Keenan Allen or Kamara, but if he gets those two scores, you're going to be alone up at the top. So you brought up a couple important things with guys like Jalen Guyton and Teron Johnson. They were, they were virtually unused last week. Now Guyton was on the field a a lot more and, and he was, um, he was running a lot more routes, but he was very infrequently targeted. He just happened to break off a huge touchdown late in that game. What are you doing with those, those dirt cheap, you know, Guyton's not even that cheap to be honest with you. And I'd be, I'd be pretty concerned about paying that price point for him, knowing that he hasn't had a game with more than three targets and Mike Williams could be returning, but assuming Mike Williams is out, do you, do you just sprinkle these guys in and cross your fingers and hope that, that Herbert looks to one of them on a deep ball or, or in the end zone? You're right. Guyton's completely out of play if Williams is back. If Williams is out, Guyton is 
I mean, he's just like an ownership kind of leverage play. He's essentially the same price as Justin Jackson. We haven't talked about the backs yet, but he, I think, is a far, far inferior play to Justin Jackson just because they're essentially the same price. As far as the other tertiary options, I mean, Guyton, one target. Tyron Johnson, one target. Donald Parham, one target. All these guys were not used whatsoever. A guy that might actually be interesting at the stone min is Jason Moore. He played 25 snaps. And that was more than Tyron Johnson. That was more than, you know, KJ Hill, Donald Parham, all these guys that caught those long touchdowns. Moore didn't actually have any targets, but he played more snaps, ran more routes. And Herbert, as reckless as he is, just targets anyone. <laughs> yeah, he really does. We saw that last week. Hey, if we're, and by the way, someone in chat mentioned Shane Hall, uh, Shane's in the rooms, uh, in the shows a lot. What's up, Shane? Said, Henry ain't a Waller, though. But no, Darren Waller's uh, kind of a freak of nature, just given that kind of shocking speed and athleticism and the fact that he came out of nowhere after being out of the league. But don't sleep on, on Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's immensely talented tight end who is also a, a great pass catcher uh, and a, a, a seriously formidable red zone threat. So, uh, no, Hunter Henry's awesome, man. He just, those games will be there. Like we said, those first three games of the season weren't bad. They just needed a little bit more and a touchdown will put you there. Hopefully that happens today. The running back situation uh, is, is, is a strange one with Austin Eckler out because if you just look at snap counts alone, last game, first of all, that Tampa Bay defense, run defense, swallows up opposing runners. They just, it's, they swarm them. It is really incredible to watch because they, they give them no time. They're, they're behind the line of scrimmage by the time the ball is snapped. It, seriously impressive stuff. So keep that in mind when you look at the sheer, uh, the, the sheer ineptitude for both of those rushing uh, running backs last week. But uh, from, from a standpoint just of, of, of snap counts, Matt, Austin Eckler played 6%. Joshua Kelly played 57 and Justin Jackson, in his return, played 40%. The week before, Eckler played 72, Kelly played 29, uh, Eckler 55, Kelly 52. So it, it does feel like knowing that Joshua Kelly probably isn't the most prominent pass-catching back in the league, you could see a lot of Justin Jackson today as well. I, maybe, maybe you can correct me on this if you have different thoughts. I'm not too convinced that Joshua Kelly is just going to take over some dominant three back bell cow role at all in this Chargers backfield. I, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think he will. They already showed what they want to do last week and they've kind of showed what they want to do throughout the season. There's going to be a committee in some fashion. Eckler had slowly worked his way into maybe more of a 70 30 split in the beginning of the year. It was close to 50 50. And I imagine it'll be close to 50 50 going forward. Justin Jackson is essentially half the price of Kelly. And if this is going to say you want to call this a 60 40 split, Justin Jackson's going to be the better price adjusted play, just based on that alone. They both will get work. I think, you know, similar to the, the Saints on the other side, if you think LA gets out to a lead in this game, they're like the Saints where they will just pound the run when they're ahead. Contrarian approach, you could play two backs here too, I think. Interesting. If you do that, you're, yeah, you're not going to be paying a ton. Uh, Joshua Kelly is a little bit more expensive than, than I'd like, but dude, what about playing neither of these backs? How, how confident are you in, in this backfield to, to put up quality numbers tonight against the Saints? I think Jackson at his price point is a lot better than a guy like Joshua Kelly, because, you know, Justin Jackson 
we're talking about guys like Jalen Guyton in his price range. Unless we want to completely punt down to one of these complete tertiary plays, I think you're going to end up with a guy like Justin Jackson in your lineup. Maybe it's not him necessarily. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is just a little bit more. Same with Latavius Murray. But I think those are your three cheaper plays that you feel good about without absolutely just punting off salary. Yeah, and Joshua Kelly's overall efficiency this year has been lackluster at best, right? He's averaging 3.3 yards per attempt. Dude, he was like that in college. Yeah, there you go. Let's not confuse this for a a scenario where it's like, man, if Austin Eckler just gets out of the way, Joshua Kelly is going to be running through uh, defensive fronts and and, and making, you know, making um, a fool of them. No, certainly not. He, He hasn't been efficient at all. As a matter of fact, He's had a couple decent games, right? But uh, the one game where he did handle a big workload, he averaged less than three yards per attempt against a Kansas City run defense that is, you know, okay at best. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't really deviate from you in in your analysis here. Joshua Jackson just feels like, or I'm sorry, Justin Jackson just feels like the better option uh, at this price. And Matt, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if they split carries and split snaps on in tonight's game. It wouldn't shock me at all if Justin Jackson gets off to a hotter start um, when he comes on the field and ends up getting more carries and more opportunities than Joshua Kelly. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that is very possible. I wouldn't say likely, but it's at least an outcome that we should be you know, considering here. And with the price difference, I think it's something that we should bake into. And we should look at Justin Jackson a little bit here because of it. I'm with you. What are you doing with Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert is, I mean, similar to Drew Brees to me. The thing with Justin Herbert is, you know, generally at the captain slot, the wide receivers, the running backs, they'll outscore the quarterback if they have a good game, just based on the bonus structures, 100-yard bonuses, PPR on DraftKings specifically. But we saw Herbert last week just like, tossing tossing touchdowns to these random guys and the production was actually spread evenly across the board like Herbert is he one of these quarterbacks that might actually be the highest scoring captain with a good game and just spread it out to everybody oh are you asking me that yeah 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 Yeah, the the crazy thing is how tough it's going to be to get that correlation because if that's the case you feel like he's probably gonna have to spread it out a bunch if you play Justin Herbert at the captain spot, is there any way you're not playing Keenan Allen in those lineups? Like if you really probably not. I'm probably playing Go ahead. Probably playing Keenan, right? That's how I feel. I mean, yeah. sure you could try and be different. And I get you know what? If Mike Williams plays, I suppose you could go Hunter Henry and and then maybe Mike Williams or, or one of those tertiary options, but it certainly feels that with the amount of targets, with the amount of attention Herbert has paid to Keenan Allen since he came in in week two as the Chargers starting quarterback, it just the overall probability of Keenan Allen not being heavily involved in a, in a, in a lineup where Justin Herbert wins you something in the captain spot, it seems pretty unlikely to me, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm with you just a little more tentative with Justin Herbert. Uh, man, the guy's I can't believe how like wild he's been. He just is. And for all the targets Keenan Allen is getting, you'd have to think there's some positive touchdown regression for guys like Allen, guys like Hunter Henry. 
that's my that's my thought at least. Rather than trying to punt off money on like Jalen Guyton, Jason Moore, and Tyron Johnson, I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to go heavier on the locked in pass catchers that are playing playing more, running more routes, and then hoping they get the targets. Totally and agree. The, the and you know, I, I'm not entirely opposed to getting some Saints defense in there as well. Not in the captain spot, but Justin Herbert's been picked off in all three of his starts. He's lost two fumbles already, so he has five turnovers in three games, Matt. He has been, I don't even want to say necessarily reckless with the ball, but he's throwing enough uh, and he's green enough to make these type of mistakes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not entirely opposed to, to getting a little bit of Saints defense in there either. They're still one of those ball hawking defenses, even with the injuries, that can create big plays, potentially a pick six or a scoop and score on a, on a sack fumble. For sure. And listen, no Brian Belaga, no Trey Turner on the offensive line for the Chargers. Huge. Not exactly the best offensive line of football. No, and that you're also looking at a lot of potential sack opportunities here. Great points. Uh, anything else from a kicker or a defense standpoint before we wrap this show up? I don't think so. I think both defenses are viable just because of the pass rush and the whoever's losing is going to be throwing. We know that based on what these two teams have done to start the year team that's winning, probably going to be riding the run team that's losing is going to be throwing a ton. And both these teams play with some pace. So there's going to be opportunities for sacks, for turnovers, for interceptions. Sterling asked, do you limit quarterbacks to one per lineup? I do not, but uh, I don't know tonight, Matt, it kind of feels like you could easily get away with if you're only playing a few lineups with not having both quarterbacks in all of those lineups. I, I, I definitely don't think you need to have both quarterbacks in each lineup, especially given kind of just the conservative approach that we've seen from Drew Brees and the unwillingness to throw deep downfield and having someone like Alvin Kamara in that backfield alongside Latavius Murray. I'm fine with not having two quarterbacks if I'm just playing a few lineups. I agree, but what if those quarterbacks, what if one of them is Taysom Hill? No. <laughs> we didn't actually talk about Taysom Hill. All right, close it out with Taysom Hill then, all you. I mean – like Taysom Hill, he's always, I feel like he always comes in over the ownership projection, whatever we have. It's like, whatever it is, people just love the intrigue with Taysom Hill. They just want to play this weird gadget guy. And he's cheap. I mean, as far as viable, complete punt plays, maybe he is the most viable down in that like sub 2K range in utility. They use him in weird ways, basically throughout the year. Last week in particular, he had four snaps at quarterback, four at running back, seven at inline tight end, one in the slot and four out wide. I don't know. He's, he's just a pure dart throw to me. He is. And I, I think in order for Taysom Hill to pay off for you, it needs to be a low scoring game because the, the most you're, you're likely going to get from him is what, like nine points, maybe a, a 15 yard rushing touchdown or something like that. Or, or maybe, maybe a little bit more. Normally you're not going to have two big plays from Taysom Hill in the same game. If you get one, maybe, maybe he rushes for a 30 yard score or something crazy. That's solid, but you're, you're, you're going to hope that it's a lower scoring game. So that nine points gets you where you need to go. Matt, final thoughts on this uh, Saints Chargers Monday night showdown before we head out for the morning. I think we hit on everything. We did a really good job. I think covered all of the tertiary options. This game specifically, I would really think about how you think the game script will go, whether you want to take a contrarian approach with the Chargers or you want to go what game script is projected based on Vegas and bookmakers and build your lineups around that. Both of these teams like to run a lot when they're ahead. Josh Engelman, Adam Scher, myself, coming up at 11 Eastern time. It's the NFL Monday morning quarterback strategy show, taking a look at everything from week five. And then later on in the day, 
Matt Kajewski and Kyle Dvorak with the Waiver Wire Show. You got to check this out. More injuries this week, more huge performances. They're going to tell you how to do it, when to do it, and who you should be looking at. Uh, and by the way, that show is going to look awesome. We put a lot of production value into that, so we'd certainly appreciate you guys checking it out. We'll see you back here later on in the night as well for the showdown live before lock show. Alex Baker, Kyle Dvorak. Until next time, we'll see you back here soon. Thanks for watching, guys.